Um, but that's a wrap. Uh, that's not a wrap. But that's let's, it. Uh, Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> so you can catch the podcast the second Tuesday. <laughs> that's it. Sorry, I'm just trying. I also have a, I have a slow roasted chicken in the oven. Oh my god. Welcome to Blind Spotters, a movie podcast about the movies we've missed. I'm Zach Pocklip. And I'm Amanda Luberto. And today we're doing a movie swap of journalism movies. I watched State of Play for the first time, and Amanda, what did you watch? I watched His Girl Friday. It's time to talk fast. It's time to investigate some some nefarious activities. Yeah. Uh, act as the fourth estate, etc., etc. But first, how are you doing? What have you been watching? Love being in the fourth estate. I've been good. I've been watching the Arizona Secretary of State results website page every day for the last week. <laughs> That's what I've been watching. Um, do you work for a news publication? I do. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out, I'm not still looking at that page. But I've been watching um, The Crown season five. It came nice. out. You haven't you haven't finished, so I'm not going to spoil anything. You know, don't want to spoil history. But uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I love the crown. It would really take a lot for them to like truly disappoint me. I don't know if this is like the strongest season, but I'm still like in- having a good time. I watched two movies recently um, that I know you've seen. Um, I watched the Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan movie, See How They Run. I thought it was very cute. I definitely think it was more of a satire than it was originally advertised. But once I settled into that, I really liked it. I thought it was funny. I've read and watched so many movies and books that are just like that. So it was fun to like play on the tropes. I I enjoyed it. I love that the movie allowed Saoirse Ronan to make jokes in her natural accent. And I also love that Saoirse Ronan played a character who was a movie lover who couldn't help but make puns. Yes, I did feel seen. (laughs) Exactly. And then um, I actually watched Logan Lucky um, on an airplane and I had a great time. I mean, there was never a thought in my mind I wouldn't like it. I just like had not gotten around to it. But um, I had a great time. I love a Steven Soderbergh heist, of course, who doesn't. Um, And something that I thought was really funny that I'm not sure if you picked up on, but a lot of the really small roles like Security Guard 4 and like Guy Serving Hot Dog were played by NASCAR drivers, which I thought was very funny. I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but I did watch SportsCenter from like 1997 to like 2013. And so I know some of the faces. Um, man, what a cast in that movie. So many handsome men. And Riley Keough. Yeah, I had a great time. It was like a perfect airplane movie. Hell yeah. Love that. What have you been watching and how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little tired. I just completed my last work trip of 2022. Woohoo! Um, so now all that's left is likely holiday travel. So uh, that's fun. Get to hunker down, get cozy at home now that it's properly cold. And I got to see a couple of our friends. I got to see our good friend Maya, um, who people will likely hear, I don't know, in two weeks or so when we eventually do our 2022 uh, favorites podcast and then i also saw um one bobby kraus we saw wakanda forever together uh which is a movie i liked and is a movie i need to rewatch, and i'm eager to but i also watched anonymous club which is the courtney barnett documentary which was really oh. cool it's like just hanging out with courtney barnett 
for 90 minutes. Where is this streaming? I think I rented it on YouTube, but yeah, I think it's available on streamers now. Um, you as a person who also loves Courtney Barnett and introduced me to Courtney Barnett, I think would enjoy it. Yeah, I'll definitely check this out. This would be a good, yeah, Sunday sort of cleaning my house, getting my stuff together kind of thing. On the other end of music media, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I also watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is a movie that actually exists and is the first movie I might have watched on the Roku channel. If you've watched a lot of music biographies, I feel like you'll probably at least chuckle a bunch. It's fun to see Daniel Radcliffe having fun. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to see Evan Rachel Wood having fun um, as a person who watches a lot of Westworld or did watch a lot of Westworld. Daniel Radcliffe uh, secretly ripped. It was really weird to see. Nice. Like, good, great for him. Really happy for him <laughs> in his life. And the last movie is a film that I know you've watched in the last month. And it's kind of like thanksgiving me in it, a way it gives thanksgiving um, vibes it does and we're talking about the big chill the 1983 lawrence uh kasdan joint has a banger of a cast yeah glenn close jeff goldblum william hurt kevin klein i love hanging out with friends and i love uh movies about long-term friendships and all the dramatic turns that those things can take yeah it gave me like very warm feelings and like memories of our like college friend reunions that we try to do every year. Just like being in a big house all together as adults is so fun. And yeah, I really like this movie and I'll definitely be like watching it again. It's also a favorite of my oldest sister. Yeah, she is a big uh, Kevin Klein fan. Yeah, love a movie where you're hanging out with friends, love hanging out with a friend, which is uh, part of the reason I love doing this podcast and our edition of this podcast is journalism movies because we uh, love journalism, we love movies, and we met in journalism school. That is a convoluted transition to get to the movies we're swapping, which Amanda, I'll let you take it away. Why are we swapping Stay to Play and His Girl Friday? Journalism movies. They're good. They actually can be really great sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part about journalism movies is that it never depicts how boring journalism can be. (laughs) (laughs) which is like makes for a great i mean there's definitely very exciting moments but there's like no shots of just like begging for someone to email you back (laughs) (laughs) yeah and writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting i love in both of these movies there's scenes where the writer writes a perfect first draft while other people are around them just the most unrealistic thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I noticed that in both movies. You know what? I have always written perfect first drafts, especially when they were gamers. Um, back in the sports journal days, I don't want to hear anything else. And don't ask my editors to verify that. But yeah, no, I, I love a journalism movie. I feel like they're in the genres of like crime thriller or yeah. like buddy cop or rom-com where you like kind of understand what you're going to get at, at least. Um, totally. And you're right. Journalism movies definitely dramatize uh the boring parts such as researching and flipping through archives and yes staring at pictures but you know we're talking about all the president's men spotlight we have an important one coming up she said yeah i did enjoy that these were two movies in which a female reporter does not have to sleep with her source to get information um as that is sometimes the cliche of female journalists um i love when they do that and i'm like oh this is so unrealistic <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we'll get into more of the uh the details complaints and praises of uh journalism movies and these movies specifically but why don't we just 
flip the coin and then we can get into everything else. Perfect. Um, I'm going to go heads. It's tails, which I feel like is the first time I've won in a long time. We got to go back to the archives and keep a tally. Maybe I'll do that like over my Christmas break. I need one of our listeners. Joe Setley, can you do this for us? <laughs> Joe, this is your job now. Thank you if so you much. don't respond to this, we know that you're fake and don't actually listen to our podcast, <laughs> but we appreciate the support. Anyway, uh, let's talk about His Girl Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna do State of Play, so that's the only reason I said that. <laughs> no, I feel like State of Play can can transition out of the journalism movie conversation better. Okay. Amanda, they'll be naming streets after you. Amanda Luberto Street. There'll be statues of you in the park. The movies will be after you. The radio by tomorrow morning. I bet there'll be a Amanda Luberto cigar. I can see the billboards now light up with Amanda Luberto. That's actually what I thought of every time I went over in college. You watched <laughs> His Girl Friday. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. You watched His Girl Friday. What happened in this movie? That was the best thing you've ever said to me. Um, okay. Are ready? I'm a, I love a compliment. How? What? You guys know this. All right. Famously. <laughs> so Walter Burns, played by Cary Grant, is an editor for the Morning Post, and he is about to lose his best reporter and his ex-wife, Hilde Johnson, Rose, played by Rosalind Russell, who is off to quit journalism and marry a new man. He plans to sabotage this idea to get her to stay and not move to Albany. He requests that she stay for one more story, the execution of Earl Williams. She only agrees because Walter says that he'll buy a $100,000 life insurance policy from her new husband, Bruce, so that he can make commission and they can earn some money. Then she also gets an in to interview Earl Williams in jail. In desperate attempts to get her to stay, Walter accuses Bruce of stealing a watch, so he's thrown in jail. Hildy bails him out. Then he frames Bruce again, putting him back in jail, but this time Hildy cannot bail him out. But she is sort of on to Walter that he is behind all of this. Meanwhile, Williams escapes and finds himself in a room alone with Hildy, holding her hostage at gunpoint. She makes an agreement with him and she hides him in a roll top desk when the other reporters return to the press room that they're all staying in. Hildy's future mother-in-law comes to tell her that she's not treating her son right and is like mad at her while Earl Williams' friend Molly is being berated by the journalists. All of this is sort of happening at the same time. Molly jumps out of the window in desperation. While reporters are distracted with Molly having jumped out the window and in a last-ditch effort to get Hildy to stay, Walter has his friend kidnap the mother-in-law. Bruce begs Hildy to leave with him for their wedding day, but she is too wrapped up in the story. She's a newsman, Bruce. She's got to focus. Bruce leaves, <laughs> giving up. Separately... A corrupt mayor and judge are relying on the execution of Earl Williams to get reelected. So when a messenger comes with a reprieve from the governor, they bribe him to go away and to forget about the whole thing. Later, Earl Williams is discovered and Hildy and Walter are arrested for hiding him. Just in time, the messenger comes in with a note of reprieve to save Earl Williams from the gallows. He then says that he was bribed by the judge and Hildy and Walter are released. Bruce called in jail again because the money that Walter gave him for the life insurance policy was actually counterfeit. This is when Hildy breaks down crying that she thought Walter was just going to let her marry Bruce without a fight and then they announce that they're going to get remarried. 
um, Cary Grant loves to get remarried at the end of the film. <laughs> I feel like the last three sentences of that summary all happen within like a minute and a half. Like it all just sort of if like that, wraps yeah. up and then they're like, we're done. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So why did you pick this movie? I feel like it might be a little obvious, but. Um, this is just one of the uh, classic archetypal screwball comedies. Um, it set the record for most words spoken per second in a movie at the time of its release. And a thing I enjoyed is uh, Hildy Johnson as a character, which she became the inspiration for uh, another famous woman uh, in the newsroom that I think you will make a point on later. So I'll let you make that point. But uh, let's get to your thoughts about the movie. What were your first watch impressions? What stood out? So definitely the speed. And I'm so glad to have later read that this was like noted by all people Um, because like I knew that it was common that people speak really fast in sort of these black and white old movies of this era. Um, You know, we've we've watched a few The Thin Man. They go pretty quickly, things like that. And I feel like I was like getting the hang of keeping up. And then this movie started and there's whole scenes where I was like, Oh my God, if I didn't have subtitles, hashtag team subtitles, I don't know if I would know anything going on in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really quite fast. Um, But I was reading that they actually used a sound mixer on the set to increase the speed of filmed dialogue. Um, And then he held a showing of um, his film next to the film that previously it had the record um, to prove like how fast his film was. It's funny how much of a point the speed was. Like, I I guess that makes sense. It's like movies. Where can we go faster? Let's get as many words in there. And I know like someone like Aaron Sorkin was you know positively influenced by these fast talking reporters and um, the back and forth that they have. I don't know about you. Um, I felt like the first time I watched it, it was like, I, I find most screwball comedies kind of stressful, like What's Up Doc or uh, Holiday, um, because it's just like chaos upon chaos upon chaos. But then you add on the journalistic chaos and speed of dialogue. And I felt very stressed the first time I watched it. So for you, what was that like? Yes, uh, I definitely like had to just fully commit myself to being 100% paying attention and like reading as fast as I was watching um, in order to like keep up with what was going on. I noticed in like the text, it was usually just this person's name and exclamation points, uh, which means you were probably really trying to keep up because it's one of those movies definitely and definitely more than like just other older movies where they have fast talking characters where if you miss 10 seconds, you might actually miss like two important pieces of plot, which even rewatching it, I was like kind of cooking while I was rewatching it because I've seen it more than a few times. And uh, I was like, wait, how did that happen again? How did we get from point A to point F already? Yeah, the like um, life insurance policy like went right over my head the first time. I was like, what is yeah. what is happening? Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> yeah and there's a there's a few there's a few cons in there and like hildy's trying to play walter and walter's trying to play hildy and and ultimately bruce is the one that gets played but yeah the speed is definitely not only like a thing that stands out but i feel like is the defining trait of the film yeah i mean so much so that like i said like they made that on purpose well i'm also glad to hear that there aren't that people can't actually speak this fast Uh, because i was watching the whole thing i was like this is so crazy impressive. And I'm sure they're already talking very fast. 
Um, but yeah. to know that they used a sound mixer to like even boost it a little bit um, does make me yeah. feel a little less crazy. <laughs> also, too, the overlapping dialogue yes. is a big point of like fitting even more words into it. Like you can see Cary Grant, especially, I feel like you can see him almost waiting for his cue, but then realizing he has to step on someone else's reading mm-hmm. to be on his cue. Um, and knowing that the overlapping dialogue was also choreographed makes me think of, you know, fast forward 80 years and you have like something like Little Women where Greta Gerwig writes her screenplay and like literally puts like slash marks in each character's lines or in each person's script so they know when to interject. Mm-hmm. But God damn, is it fast? <laughs> it's, it's really quick, which like kind of brings me to the next thing that I thought about sort of in conjunction of it. There's like three movie plots in this movie which is so funny because I feel like now we can like, you know, five movies a year have like a one full plot. Yeah. <laughs> like each movie. Like there's like 90% of a plot in a movie nowadays where there's like like three entire situations happening in this movie. It was really impressive. What else stood out to you? So as I was doing my research, I found that this movie was first shown um, before it was shown in other American theaters. And uh, it was shown in January of 1940 at Radio City Music Hall. And how much I would love to see not only a movie there, but this movie there. Um, The Orpheum in downtown Phoenix. It's like a beautiful performance hall. Um, It's like probably the most beautiful building in Arizona. Um, We'll do movies like once a a month. They do like old movies. Oh, that's cool. Um, Last year, I watched Edward Scissorhands there. I've seen Jurassic Park there. Um, I have tickets to see Psycho there this year. Like they do these like because it used to be a movie theater back when like that back when like movie theaters used to look like opera houses, um, and mm-hmm. it just sort of gave me obviously Radio City, obviously Radio City Music Hall has like a lot more history and is much more grand, but it did give me like a lot of those same vibes, and I would love to see a movie there. I was just at Radio City Music Hall. We had our ceremonial weigh-ins and stare-downs there. So His Girl Friday to the UFC 281, you know, one in the same. What a, what a venue. I've never been inside. I've been outside a, a dozen times, but it is definitely something mm-hmm. I, uh, my if, if all my plans go according to plan, I would like to visit New York next fall. And that's like definitely something I, it doesn't matter what's playing while I'm there. <laughs> or maybe I'll do a tour or something, but like, <laughs> I got to get on the inside. Any other things that stood out on first watch? The thought of her typing a story while her future husband is like begging for their marriage. is so (laughs) funny and like so crazy. I was watching it like as it was happening and I was like, oh my, how I would not be able to focus. I like wrote in our in our outline that like I can barely write if there's like a bird outside making a noise. I'm like, (laughs) I can't focus. This is too much. Um. For let alone to like write such like a convoluted story while like supposedly the love of her life, even though we know it's not, is like begging for her to like walk away. And then this is when she says my favorite line: "I'm a newsman, Bruce." <laughs> it's like I'm gonna start <laughs> saying that. <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like I mean, breaking news reporters are a special breed. Uh, political reporters are a special breed. I feel like sports reporters are in the same thing where they like are just so accustomed to that chaos. Like I loved, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but I love the dynamic in the new, in the, in the press room where it's like all these competing papers, but like when you're on a beat, 
those competing papers, those competing reporters are also your coworkers. Absolutely. Probably more so than your actual coworkers. Yeah. And I thought it really captured that dynamic well when they're like, oh my God, Hildy's back. Like, what are you doing? Da, 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 da. They're immediately busting her chops. Yeah. Man, Bruce was never cut out for this life. No. I, like, okay. This is like a cult. I, you haven't <laughs> been in like a, in like a newsroom structure newsroom in a while, but I know you understand the culture of it. There is such like a thing about like news people marrying other news people because they like understand the like the lifestyle. And I get that yeah. and I totally understand. And like it's a hard, weird thing to explain to somebody like why I need to be editing at two in the morning and like that that's just like what I need to be doing. But I like I would love a partner who is removed. <laughs> from that and i know your partner is also removed in this this is like a perfect case in point of like outside people don't get it and the thing is and not to get existential about journalism especially as someone who's kind of sold out but it's so funny once you like step out of whatever bubble you're in mm -hmm. um, for that moment and then just see everybody else like living their lives at like whatever pace is normal and then you step back into the record fast life that is you know journalism yeah and um you either have to get really lucky and find a partner who like will be understanding um and supportive or you got to figure something else out <laughs> yeah it's it's really interesting i'm always like so interested to hear like the people that i work with in my newsroom who are married like what do their partners do um i always i always love hearing about like this dynamic because i feel like for so long like maybe it was journalism school or I don't even know who like put this in our head but it was like no you like have to be with another journalist because no one else will get it and I'm like no, I don't want someone <laughs> who like is so consumed by it but I want someone like active like politically but you know um yeah you want somebody informed but you don't want somebody yeah someone who's like informed and interested and cares but like someone who like maybe has more to say <laughs> than I do because, like, all I can think about is the fact that, like, why did Carrie Lake get less votes than the other Republican attorney general that ran? And, like, what does that mean about the people who voted for that attorney general but not Carrie Lake? Like, why did they want? Like, that's, like, all my, that's all I can think <laughs> about all the time is, like, yeah. but that's also why, I, also why I love movies. <laughs> it gets me out of that. Journalists infamously, no bound, like, terrible at setting boundaries, right? Like, yes. Everybody needs to learn how to set boundaries. Uh, shout out to my therapist. Shout out to therapy. Um, Hell and yeah, creating those brother. boundaries between, you know, work-life balance is not often something that you hear in newsrooms. It's tough to set. And this movie comes, I don't know, a whole ass century before those conversations were really happening on a grand scale, or at least for us. And so poor Bruce is what I have to say. Yeah. He it, never knew what hit him. And I love that she, like, so part of her character is that she's trying to, like, get her life back like she's trying to yeah. remove herself from journalism because she knows it's so all-encompassing and she's like no like i want to get married i want to have kids i want to like like hang out with my husband i want to like live in albany and not in the city and like all this stuff and everyone in the newsroom is like that'll never fucking last and <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> where i feel like you know i you know sometimes the culture our generation of journalism i feel like is such a different than like even at you know 20 years above us 30 years above us 
It's so oh, for much, sure. We're, we are so much better at boundaries, even though we are still not as good as other professions at boundaries. But I think another thing is like when somebody leaves journalism, I am often like very happy for them because I'm like, I know mm-hmm. you gave it everything and that you're not like, it's not giving you everything back. So you have to like go and like do other media things and like lay low and like eat dinner at a regular time every day and like work a nine to five. And like, I totally, totally, totally understand and support. And that's sort of what Hildy's trying to do. Yeah. And I think we'll get into uh, the evolution of journalism uh, in their state of play conversation um, just because there's some funny dynamics in there. Absolutely. But uh, some things, as much as things change, they all stay the same. Other than, you know, just existential journalism thoughts. uh, What have you thought about the most since watching? So, I don't know if Hildy slash Rosalind Russell, who is the actress, was supposed to be my main takeaway over Cary Grant, who's an you know, internationally famous man of movies, um, but she is definitely what I've thought about the most. Um, I really, really, really love this portrayal of a of a woman newsmaker. Like I, all all newsmakers are the same, but like you know what I mean. Like it is. I think it's like very cool. Like she's very sexy and she's very feminine like the the men in the press room are like very like almost like protective over her but like not in a you can't do this kind of way but in a like mm-hmm. oh we're so excited like you're our favorite like kind of little sister type and like we're so excited for you to like go on your honeymoon and like blah 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 and at the same time like she is respected like her profession is respected her work is respected and she's wanted like part of the reason that like Walter doesn't want to let her go. Obviously, he's in love with her, but also because like she's the best reporter they have. And like her mm-hmm. work is wanted at the same time that she's like, like being wanted by two different men in other ways. And like, I, I think that that's like such an awesome portrayal of this like fully developed female character. Yeah. And I think uh, Hildy Johnson is uh kind of named or cited as like the quintessential howard hawks girl or or hawksian woman um it's like that archetype where they're like tough talking whip smart can hang with the men um you see actors like Catherine hepburn ava gardner barbara stanwyck people who really play this um another good one is lauren bacall into have and have not which is another howard hawks movie and hildy and lauren bacall's character in that movie whose name i forget like they really embody that like it's like I am as good, as, as tough, I am as hard as you, and I'm, like, sexy because of it. And still feminine. Yeah, the men aren't intimidated by it. They're just, like, sweet, cool, like, yeah, you you rock. Um, I love the fact that Hildy is a bomb-ass writer. Like, all the men read her copy when she's gone out of the room, and they're like, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's so much better than us. Um, and I and I love that like kind of myth making and that and that mythology building around her. Yeah. So as you alluded to earlier, but um, this character became the inspiration for Lois Lane in Superman, who is always the same. Like she was always like very well respected, but also, you know, people looked up to her, and she was also like the person of interest romantically. And it's not mm-hmm. that she gave up her life for a profession and now she's like a stone cold kind of dumpy like person you'd never want to be with all of like the proposal. 
or like something like that <laughs> or you know or on the other hand like kept her femininity and all of these things so she's like given up a lot of respect all uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days and every other movie about people who work for magazines um and, and things like that like she does get to have all the things which is so so cool maybe i'm just like so desperate for like great female representation <laughs> but i think that like that is like a great part of uh this character and sort of the creators of superman <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i i recently watched the original superman like the 70s richard donner superman those movies are great I, it was super fun really like strange yeah they're, they're wacky for the first half <laughs> but so are 70s movies in general um but i love that that superman movie just turns into basically a slapstick rom-com for about 30 40 minutes in there um and yeah like lois lane is as tough or as fearless as superman and also a badass reporter and we love badass reporters so uh it's fun to know that like these characters and these molds are like always being built um even if perhaps and definitely newsrooms didn't and probably still don't reflect that hildy rules yeah hildy does rule she's just to me is the major takeaway from the mm -hmm. entire movie um, so that was like obviously something I've thought about a lot and the most. I really love the name Hildy. I think that is really fun. Um, I think it's a very sweet name. And something else I've thought a lot about is I really like the costuming. I thought the costumes were really yeah. cool. Um, again, Hildy's outfits were cool. Um, but I, that was something I noticed and I've sort of thought about. She wears this like sort of mismatched stripey situation in the mm -hmm. beginning. Um, that has really stuck with me. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've talked about the speed of the movie, but I wonder it's based off of a play and a and a movie about that play. So first came the play, the front page, and then came a movie about that play also called the front page. And this at the time was the fastest dialogue in a movie. And then when His Girl Friday came around, it was trying to beat that record. So it was faster than the movie. But I wonder if the play is like also fast or is that just like something that they did for the movies at the time? It, it's it's definitely they did it for the movie. I mean, like the front page is fast, but he'll, his girl Friday kind of set. I feel like an irreplicable pace for a stage play. Um, I can't imagine a live performance without subtitles going this fast. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine either. So if you, you know, other than the front page and the speed of the movie. Um, what did you look up about the movie first? Um, so I wanted to know more about the casting. I didn't know Rosalind Russell before this movie, so I wanted to know sort of how they found her, if she was famous. She'd definitely been in movies, um, but Cary Grant was essentially right away. They wanted this movie to be for him. Um, but the search for Hildy was more extensive. Originally, they had wanted Carol Lombard, um, who the director had worked with before, but they actually couldn't afford her. Um, and then Catherine Hepburn, along with many other women, were approached and they declined. I thought it would, I went into this movie thinking it was Catherine Hepburn and then very quickly was like, mm -hmm. this isn't Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> who is this? <laughs> um, so uh, I, I wonder why she declined. I think that's interesting. I think this would be a fun role for her. This was in the weird period for her. Oh, okay. This was like post holiday, box office poison. Uh, eventually, it did go to um, Rosalind Russell, who overheard the director say that they were stuck with her. There was a lot of animosity um, 
between the two of them, but they did eventually work it out. So then, of course, I wanted to know what the reception was like. It was not nominated for any Oscars, um, I, probably because it's a comedy. I'm not, I guess I'm not really sure, but um, it was an immediate success. Um, as you said, it is said to be the quintessential screwball comedy. It is a blueprint for the way a lot of movies are made and the way a lot of characters interact with each other. It's both in the National Film Registry and it's on the AFI's top 100. It's like 100 laughs. It's like their comedy list. Mm-hmm. This movie rocks and I'm glad that other people think it rocks. Every time I watch it, not only do I just notice new things, I definitely pick up new lines. Do you have any other questions? Um, What does his girl Friday mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I looked this up the first time uh, I watched it as well. A girl Friday, it, like it, girl Friday is a, a, a term. Okay. A girl Friday means like a very reliable like assistant. Oh, okay. And so his like so Walter's girl Friday is Hildy. Yeah. Because like they're this news team that can like go to a coal mine on their honeymoon. Oh, that's so interesting. I had no idea. It doesn't make sense. I thought somebody was going to be named Friday. That I would... thought it was like a looking for Alaska situation. <laughs> that would make more sense. I didn't even consider that either. <laughs> like it's if it was like his girl comma friday that would make sense yes that is also true well now i know i'm gonna rewatch mad men and i'll think about it differently (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they ever say the term or else we would have known we watched that show so much yeah but that's what they are essentially yeah it's like particular it's like when they're especially good at their job yeah like joan joan is a girl friday 100% 100% absolutely what a fucking queen I love that show shout out to Joni should I watch yeah. it again maybe that's what I'll do at the end yeah. of the year um okay and then this was something I was thinking about that I would probably want and I don't know if you would want it but I would love like a reconfiguration of this movie like all the same parts but it's like gritty um <laughs> but the actors are still quippy and fast talking would you be interested okay. in that I mean, I love a journalism movie. <laughs> I, I, if you gave me this plot and you stretched it out to two hours and like, yeah, made it gritty or whatever, I can see it and I would watch that movie. But if you were like, this is a reimagining of His Girl Friday, I would say absolutely not. Like, I, I feel like the tone of the movie is as much part of the movie as the plot, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the plot's actually secondary um, to the dynamics. But like, I've watched worse movies. I've watched dumber movies. I watched Blonde. <laughs> God. I also begrudgingly watched Blonde. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have anything uh, left for me? Um, not really any questions because uh, I think we addressed it all. But I did want to make a couple more comments. My favorite scene in the movie, I think, is the opener. Like when Hildy walks into Walter's office. Um because you can see right away that they are even. A writer on Brightwell Dark Room described it as uh, a boxing match between two fighters in the same weight class. Um, and like two people who like are defined by what they do. Like what they do is who they are. These people are newspaper men. And um, I think it sets that dynamic that like these two people even if they can't stand each other at times, are actually made for each other and are the only people that can really go toe-to-toe with one another. Yeah. Yes, Carrie, like, Walter does mansplain, like, what Hildy wants to her, but, like, at the end of the day, like, Hildy was like, no, I actually did want you to tell me this. Yeah. Which is a very 1940s thing to do, but um, I love that first scene so much because it's, like, 
Hildy at one point literally just says, sold. I thought that was so <laughs> funny because like, that's like when fast. I first was like, oh my God, this movie's faster than any other movie I've ever watched. Yeah. Well, now I know yeah. it literally is. Um, but I when that scene happened and she does that, I was like, okay, good. We're like, we're all in the same boat. We know that what's going on. Yeah. I and um the last thing I wanted to say is I just love Cary Grant's laugh in this movie. He's just like ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cary Grant. Um Oh, Cary Grant. That's all. Uh lastly, would you want to watch this movie again? Um I think I would. I think that this is like another good movie to watch like around the holidays. Um my sister sort of likes these older movies, so maybe this is something her and I will watch this year. Um, but I, it it's very sweet. I liked it. It is also a lot. It, it's definitely like way easier on rewatch. I think I say that every time, but like, <laughs> because there's a, a like injection, like an adrenaline rush of information in this movie. Yeah. Um, it goes down easier the second time, but I'm glad you watched it and I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Are you ready for a movie that's equally as dense, but is um, somehow very different. Just like uh, different journalism beats. Let's talk about state of play. <laughs> but let's take a break first. This episode of Blind Spotters is not at all sponsored by the Theodore in Phoenix. It's a great spot for craft beer and hard to find wines. Their bartenders are always the best and they always find a way to have something new every time I'm in. Plus, they have an excellent patio and great music. Support the Theodore and support local businesses. All right, Zach. Are you, I never have a good opener the way you have a good opener. But are you ready to talk about <laughs> state of play? <laughs> I am. You don't need to have a good opener. That doesn't, you know, I, I just... I love a showy lead. I love it. Um, much to the chagrin to uh, my editors, probably, but um, <laughs> it's the only reason I do that. Let's talk about State of Play. Um, this movie was directed by Kevin McDonald. It was written by Matthew Michael Carnahan, Tony Gilroy, and Billy Ray. What a squad for this script. Mm-hmm. The movie starts one night. A thief is running through Washington, D.C. and is shot by a mysterious man, um, a pizza guy who is bicycling uh, nearby, sees the crime. So the mysterious man also shoots the pizza guy, and that guy falls into a coma instead of dying. The next morning, a young woman, who we learn to be Sonia Baker, is killed at the metro station, and it is presumed a suicide. The woman turns out to be the aide and mistress of Congressman Stephen Collins, who is played by Ben Affleck. Collins is leading an investigation on Point Corps, a private defense contractor with some like questionable practices, mercenary vibes. Uh, mercenary vibes is probably the first time that's ever been described in a military situation. <laughs> Collins cries when he announces baker's death and this creates a lot of gossip fodder he tells his old college roommate and washington globe reporter cal mccaffrey who is played by russell crowe that he received this cheerful video message from sonya the morning of her supposed suicide to be like cal can you look into this so cal who was already looking into the shooting that started the film starts to poke around sonya's death meanwhile della fry a capitol hill blogger for the same paper who is played by Rachel McAdams, is posting some heat, basically, on Collins. And so when Cal starts poking around the story, he decides to point her in a few directions to gather some evidence that would lead people to realize that Baker's death was not a suicide. Together, they start to work on the story, and they find a link between the shootings and Sonia's death. 
Meanwhile, their head editor named Cameron Lynn, played by one Helen Mirren, is kind of pressing them to post the story with what they have because the new owners of the paper are pressing her about sales and circulation. Despite all this pressure, Cal and Della still persist and they find out through a homeless girl that Sonia uh, was being followed by a man. The homeless girl had given them surveillance photos of Sonia that was found in like the briefcase that was stolen to open the movie. So Della goes to visit the hospital where the pizza guy is starting to come out of his coma and she is there when the man is assassinated, which is very traumatizing for her. Della, though, recognizes a man she saw in the hospital that night um, as someone she sees on the CCTV footage of the metro station the day of Sonia's death. So as the heat kind of turns up on that, Cal gets Collins to tell him that Point Guard is basically trying to privatize American Homeland Security, which seems bad. Cal gets in touch with a Point Corps insider who is played by David Harbour, and uh, David Harbour leaks him some information, which Cal then uses to go to an apartment complex where he stumbles upon the assassin, and the assassin then chases Cal through the parking garage, but Cal gets away. It's extremely stressful. Della learns from Sonia's roommate that a man in the surveillance photos of Sonia is named Dominic Foy, a PR exec affiliated with Point Corps, played by Jason Bateman. Cal and Della then take Foy to a motel room to get more info from him, and he reveals that Sonia was a Point Corps plant who was, linky, who was leaking info on the investigation back to Point Corps, but then fell in love with Stephen Collins and then also got pregnant with his child when she was killed. Cal then gets Collins to meet at the hotel, and when he shows Collins the video footage of Foy revealing all this, he goes crazy and beats up Foy, and then they pull him off, and then, and then Collins and Cal have this falling out. It seems like the story is going to fall apart, but Collins and his wife, Anne, who is played by Robin Wright, come to the newsroom and agree to an interview. After the interview, Cal and Anne speak, and Cal realizes that Anne casually knows some information she shouldn't have regarding Sonia's payouts from Point Corps. So Cal holds the story, goes to visit Collins in his office, and reveals that he knows that the assassin was someone that Collins knew and that Collins employed to follow Sonia, and that means that Collins was complicit in Sonia's death. Cal has the cops come, but as Cal is leaving the building, he is confronted by the assassin, but the cops shoot him and save Cal before Cal is injured. Later that night at the newsroom, they write the story, and it is revealed that Collins was arrested for his role in the deaths of several people, including Sonia. The film ends with Cal putting Della's name on the byline first, and the two walk out of the newsroom triumphant. How the hell did I do? This is another movie with like three movies in one movie. <laughs> Literally, my first thought was like, oh, I got to explain all this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt about the um, about the corrupt mayor. I was like, fuck, I got to oh, go yeah. back and put the mayor in because then <laughs> it's other thing. And then that's how they get away. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is uh, uh, so it's really dense, like you said, but I feel like it moves. Uh, it moves well and it's easy to follow yeah. when you're watching it. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it definitely does. Um, why don't you tell me why you picked this movie? I just really like this movie. I don't know. I like, I have no deep relationship with it. I saw it a year ago, maybe two years ago, maybe. Nice. Uh, it was a movie my dad started playing on TV and was like, this is a good one. And I was like, this movie sucks for the first like <laughs> six minutes. And then I like watched the entire thing. I like, couldn't, couldn't get away. I was so in. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. It's a journalism movie. I don't think it gets like, it obviously like doesn't make a lot of lists or else you would have known it already. Um, but I, it has a lot of fun actors. So I thought that was fun as well. 
yeah i think you called it like a b plus movie like just yeah it's, it's, it's a like genre a, movie it's got a good cast it's just a movie like <laughs> it's just it feels like it's like a movie you go to and it feels like wow this is a movie yeah harry was right okay <laughs> <laughs> also that movie it's a movie like <laughs> he wasn't wrong he was trying to warn us <laughs> he, he really was um <laughs> but this movie I, I i enjoyed it for uh it has high state but it's like it's just it's just a one-off you're not gonna get a sequel no. there's not mythology um it's just journalism and journalists fighting the good fight absolutely and like you think that the politicians on your side it's not and i think there is i think that's fun yeah nice yeah and i also knew you'd like it so that i'm trying to i'm trying to get myself some points here (laughs) 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 i'm like maybe this will be the the one I've, i've liked the movies you just never want to watch any of them again. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd watch Gone Girl again. I said I'd watch Royal Tenenbaums again. I would watch Silence of the Lamb. Anyway, <laughs> um, this movie was good. I enjoyed it. We'll get to that part. We'll get there. All right. So let's start with uh, your first impressions and what stood out. I generally feel this way anytime I watch a journalism movie because they're often very serious and very dark in what they're uncovering. But God I am so glad I'm not a hard news reporter and never wanted to be a hard news reporter. I'm just not cut out for this shit, man. Yeah. I'm a sports guy through and through. Whenever Cal is like just rolling through like the hospital or the coroner's office or like talking to whatever cop and like they're on a first name basis. And not only that, they're like they have inside jokes and familiarity. I'm just like, man, that's that's a grind. You got to just that guy's been just grinding on this beat for decades it's so funny because when the the scene in the um uh parking garage i had the same thought i was like wow i'm really glad that this is not the type of journalism that i do <laughs> right <laughs> i'm like the, the most like slums i gotta do is like go into a locker room you know or like a, a musty gym to like chat about some sports yeah uh also what stood out was uh yikes um journalism pre-recession was definitely in a weird space yes um you and i were lucky enough to get into journalism post kind of this digital transition yeah um but this movie takes place in like mid 2000s like i think 2007 specifically so this is before the recession um digital was a thing not taken seriously it was kind of pushed off you still had your gruff reporters you still had your classic like people working on stories for a long time and were pretty well paid but you just i don't know about you but when i watched this movie uh the first time i could just feel like the financial tension yes so hard as like a paper with financial tension it was like very stressful to watch last night (laughs) (laughs) yeah or like just like you can either change in the signs you see they're going through an ownership change um and this movie comes out it came out in 2009 and so obviously post-recession and i wonder how much they put those things in there and they put those like tensions in there of like papers didn't know how to monetize digital so papers weren't making money yeah and nobody realized that or uh, understood how to navigate that and like still don't um and unfortunately owners of papers don't understand the function of journalism and we can get into all that but um i just i just thought all of it was funny like i love that uh, Russell Crowe's character Cal was so anti 
internet people like he called them blood suckers and bloggers <laughs> um and I, I the whole time i'm just like cal buddy let me tell you something what you're gonna have to be doing in three years you're gonna have to hop on twitter <laughs> cal not a blog boy no he is definitely not a blog boy um but it does kind of pose this uh contrast between like legacy reporters and like uh tenured reporters versus people like fresh in the industry like uh Della and Cal are contrasted pretty heavily and it definitely leans like this is serious reporting and you gotta you know this is how you cultivate sources and Mm -hmm. they could have made that like an annoying dynamic but I don't think they made Rachel McAdams character annoying I thought they just made her green like there's always that like gruff veteran reporter who's like yeah this is how you do it and you're like it's that easy and they're like yeah (laughs) have you reached the point where you get to now say that to new people I mean, in my job, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've been there I, long I have enough. I'm like, yeah, just go up to the coach and ex- I have It's two. such a great feeling. It's very funny. We're like, we have an intern and I'm like, oh yeah, my APS girl. Like, here you go. Just talk to this one. And like, I literally said <laughs> last month, I was like, oh yeah, I have a ghost hunter. Her name is Patricia. Here you go. Like, <laughs> here's her phone number. And I was like, oh God, I've like been in the Phoenix industry long enough now to be like, oh yeah, I've got a whatever person. Like... <laughs> here you go <laughs> hey, i love it. it's such a good feeling and uh i i do I, i'll get more into um mcadams and, and uh russell crowe but uh i thought roger ebert as he does kind of captured the sense of urgency around the importance of journalists and journalism in this movie mm-hmm. he says quote there is in fact an eerie valedictoria feeling to the film mother of god could this be the last newspaper movie the answer is no, because no matter what happens to newspapers, the newspaper movie is a durable genre. Shouting stop the presses is ever so much more exciting than shouting stop the upload, <laughs> which is true. Like journalism movies are period pieces, depending on how you want to um, create them. I'm really intrigued about She Said, because that's a story that broke in the last five years or something like that. So it's going to have to have all the modern parts of the news cycle like spotlight same thing where it's, it, it does take place in, in like the aughts and it's like that movie this movie even something like girl with the dragon tattoo which has like you know a journalist working mm-hmm. they're they're researching and daniel craig's character in that in girl with the dragon tattoo are researching in libraries and very tactile and like daniel craig doesn't know how to use a laptop really yeah right and like this and she said i assume we'll have very computer savvy and internet savvy reporters um, I'm sure we will hear the too. word Twitter in this movie. Absolutely, and it's gonna freak me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, there was like a, there's just a specific uh, dynamic. I like Zodiac, same thing, where it's yeah. like that's a movie that takes place in the 70s, and you have like all the typewriters and and all that stuff. So journalism movies are not gonna go anywhere or anything like that. But it yeah. is interesting slash sad slash okay that they're becoming period pieces in a way too. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting what happens with she said this week, and because um, I think this will be, as you're saying, like one of the non-period piece movies um, about. It's going to be industry. incredibly modern, yeah, and it, and it, and it yeah. has to be. I mean, the way that that story was unfolding was very modern. It was very online. It was very public. It was like you know that's a whole big part of it. Um, that is one of the like benefits of things like social media is like. You can tell your story yourself to a lot of people all at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to newspapers to like capitalize and investigate further and like make connections and, and things like that. So as this movie feels dated, it also doesn't feel dated at all. 
Like, I feel like... I I think that's what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is, like, a scenario I could walk by in my newsroom or, like, know that that's something my newsroom is covering um, with, like, you know, an established reporter working with someone who's newer on the scene or even in the city. That's, like, a big thing um, in local Mm -hmm. news and things. But working on this story that ends up being this other story and um, I, I... think that there's like a a purity to that storyline and i think the dynamic between push the story out now versus not yet is something that's going to endure in journalism forever right especially you know independent journalism because it's like oh i have the story let's run with it versus no not yet there's something bigger here or there's something to be more complete on or cover our bases more. I did think it was funny, like Helen Mirren, and I know it's because her character is being pressured from the owners, but it's like the one editor who's like, let's go, like, hurry up. Because like you watch Spotlight or All the President's Men or and they're like, nope, you don't have it yet. Love a moment in a journalism movie where it's like, all right, write it. Yeah, now now it's time. (laughs) Like, run it. I love the moment in the She Said trailer where he's like, it's time to write. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is time to write. (laughs) <laughs> it's always time to write. Other thing that stood out on first watch is this cast. Yeah, like, damn. Man. Like Russell Crowe is just in this with a terrible haircut. Rachel McAdams is just in this, like in a terrible few years outfits. After Main Girls, she's in yeah, terrible and, outfits. Like, Mid two thousands fashion, man. David Harbour shows up for two heaters of a scene. Yeah, which I does. thought was hilarious. Yeah, I does. also thought it was hilarious when I realized that Jason Bateman was playing the smarmy PR guy, who's I- like loaded. I think it's a great role for him. You haven't even mentioned Ben Affleck. That's right. Yeah, Ben's just there. Yeah. Well, Viola Davis gets one scene. Yeah. We mentioned Helen Mirren also. Jeff Daniels is in this movie. um, Yes. Who who later has his own um, journalism show. Uh, So that's always fun when he shows up in like other journalism stuff i always think that's funny i love the journalism movie extended universe i love to think that rachel mcadams even though the the timelines of this movie are like reversed i love thinking that she went from being a washington globe reporter to being a boston globe spotlight investigative reporter absolutely hey robin wright i can't believe that stephen collins was just like screwing around with someone else when you have robin wright at home it doesn't make sense that ben affleck and robin wright and russell crowe are in like a love triangle and like that they're the same age it does not (laughs) but it does not. But Robin Wright looks fantastic. She's also in a later political, in a political thriller yeah. TV series later on. Also in DC. Man. Uh, God, at the this, time, this she movie. was Robin Wright Penn when she was married to Sean Penn. Yeah, that threw me off. <laughs> That's like a fun thing that comes up <laughs> in the credits later. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like a jump scare. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that experience. <laughs> and then the, uh, the last thing that kind of stood out was the sequence where Cal goes to see fred summers but then realizes that the assassin has just been living there instead of fred summers is very stressful and quite thrilling and in my head was diet zodiac whenever jake gyllenhaal's character goes to the basement and has that kind of uh stressful sequence um i loved how cal who had been like king of the room knows how to talk to everybody in that moment just completely becomes like he's stuttering he doesn't know how to talk his way out of this jam he like realized that his life is on the line yeah he really awkwardly has to jump on a volvo um i liked that tension and like that range that gets put into his character yeah 
That is a really uh, good parallel between that scene and Zodiac. That's the scariest scene in Zodiac. What have you thought about most since you have finished watching this movie? Definitely the dynamic between Russell Crowe and Rachel McAdams, between their characters and between the actors themselves. I think they have a real chemistry as like the veteran and cub reporter Um, in the movie. Again, I I was saying like they could have made uh, Della super annoying and know-it-all and internet kid yeah and they could have made russell crowe gruff and annoyed and like couldn't be told any better and instead they kind of play play it more gray which is i think more realistic i couldn't help but notice at the very end of the movie as they walked away they kind of have the same haircut <laughs> <laughs> i saw somebody on letterbox say that his hair is so thick because it holds a lot of secrets <laughs> I, I think rachel mcadams as the plucky digital reporter is a dream i think cal is a classic super connected reporter and that role always rules the part where the police confront the paper about withholding evidence, Harry Lennox and Russell Crowe like share a moment of like double talk, mm-hmm. basically, and that lets the paper have more time. Um, I love that role, and I just love that uh, Cal decides to mentor Della on the on the fly. Like when um, Helen Mirren's about to give Cal the story, he's like, "Hey," he turns around to the Della, like, "Get loud now! Like, tell her you're not taking you're not getting taken off this story." I really enjoyed that. I thought that was cute. <laughs> I like the scene where uh, he tells her to go to the hospital and, you know, watch over this person or whatever. And she's like, what? So, like, well, I'm going to work with you on this story up until this point, And then you're going to make me sit around and, like, watch a guy who might come out of a coma and, like, all this stuff. And he's like, no, go to the, go to the hospital, <laughs> talk to these people, get the word, like, be the first person to hear, like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm and I understand, like, I also feel like I would be the person who's like, wait a second. No, don't don't treat me like I'm new. You were not treating me like I was new. And now you are. And then I like that. He's like, no, I'm trying to help you. I'm in it. We're yeah. in it together now. But I also specifically love the part when it's time to write the story. And they're, he's like, I got this part, this part, and this part. And she's like, I got this part, this part, and this part. Yes. Including the affair that you don't like. Um, yes. I, I really liked that specific part because there's been a handful of times where I've worked on like team projects or recovering the same thing and just being like, all right, we have all this content, this, all this information. How are you divvying it up? And I just, I just really like their dynamic, man. And I like, I like that he trusts her with half the story. Yeah. Like that, that shows a lot of like how he respects her writing, her reporting, her style, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I agree. It didn't take her doing something extra to prove herself to him. He was just like, all right, you're here. Like, if you're going to be on this story with me, we're going to do the story together. Yeah. And then the last thing I thought about the most since watching, and also this is tied into like his girl Friday, is that in cop movies and in journalism movies, the cops and the journalists always have a relationship. But I feel like more often than not, in journalism movies, police are always kind of just like in the way of journalists doing their job. But then journalists are this like plucky sideshow in cop movies that like kind of annoy the cops, but like they're not really part of their day to day. And I, I just find that dynamic kind of, I don't work in that world at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it humorous that that's generally how I feel like those two professions are portrayed in respective movies centering the other one. Yeah. I mean, I texted you when I was rewatching it, like I love the part in a journalism movie where the police and the journalists get into a fight where one of them has to say, it's not a story, it's a case. No, it's just like, 
I have to finish the story. And like, it's not a story. It's a case. Like, it happens all the time. The, or the cops come to school, the journalists, like, we've been working on this investigation for this much time, and you guys just blew this up. Yeah. And, ah. and the journalists were like, well, we had to because you weren't doing anything. Like, <laughs> it's always my favorite. <laughs> what were some of the things that you had looked up about the movie after you watched it? Um. So when I saw three writers on the credits, I was like, why did that happen? Um, it's a lot of movies. I feel like often, I feel like oftentimes, uh, if there's multiple writers on a movie, it's like, oh no, <laughs> you know, um, whether it's rewrites or it, it could just get sticky, yeah, right. Um, but turns out it's a lot sadder than that. Um, Carnahan's daughter got sick, and so to focus on his family more, uh, he departed the film, and then Tony Gilroy came in to do rewrites. Tony Gilroy of The Born Identity, or most recently of Andor fame. Um, and then after he did re- rewrites, uh, Billy Ray came in to kind of finish it. This was in production for like many, many, many years. Um, but I th- thought despite all the different cooks in the kitchen, one, these cooks are really good. Two, it did have a good pacing. It did have a good like driving narrative. Um, it kind of had the feeling of like this like airport mystery novel mm-hmm. in a good way. I think Wesley Morris in his review said like if you could hold this movie – in a paperback, you would just like stop reading it to like wipe the grease off your fingers, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. Which I thought was a, you know, it, it's just some, it's like you said, it's like, it's nothing more than just a good movie. Yeah. And uh, which is a credit to, I think, the screenplay. And we could see, you know, you look at those guys' credits and um, you see some really fun movies and some really uh, entertaining movies and, and well written stuff as well. So um, I, specifically thought of like the scene between jeff daniels and russell crowe where cal confronts jeff daniels for being the per i think his character's name is george fergus yeah mm-hmm. cal confronts george fergus about being the person who recommended sonia baker to stephen collins and like that scene is like i wish they gave it like three more minutes but where they go to this like remote location that's framed beautifully. It's by the reflective water at nighttime in the middle of all these columns because Washington, D.C. just has those things. It's next to, they're right outside of the um, JFK Performance Hall, I think. Okay, there you go. Oh, yeah, you you lived in D.C. I was going to say, this is a good D.C. movie, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I couldn't tell if that uh uh-huh was like sarcastic or not. No, no, no. Anyway. No, uh, that was was legit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you got Russell Crowe and you have Jeff Daniels and you have this meaty script of a story. And it's not like the climax, but it's like the turning point before the twist puts everything on its head. Yeah. Um, It's so – I'm like, oh, we have Jeff Daniels and fucking Russell Crowe in this scene together. When it's like, hell yeah. Every time I see it, I've now, like, I watched it, you know, not that long ago. I think I've seen it one or two times since then. Then I watched it for my rewatch. Um, the point where Russell Crowe, like, as Jeff Daniels is walking away, and he's like, oh, uh, the the family friend, what's what's her mom's name? Oh, yeah. Oh, and then you can see good. immediately on Jeff Daniels' face that, like, he knows he's been caught. And then you're like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I I also loved preceding that when they're inside and Cal's like get get him he's like fuck that guy and he's like <laughs> my favorite is it Russell Crowe's like no I, I got it because uh, he yeah. like the secret <laughs> yeah he's like I, I saw that I saw don't worry I understand <laughs> message received um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought that was that was so funny it's like that's why you have those two guys in yeah. this movie like this cast is stupid stacked yeah 
And it's also like as we're talking about like new reporter, older reporter, like this is like a lifelong politician and lobbyist with like a lifelong Mm -hmm. reporter. Like they're in very similar points in their career. They both know that like they're both experts, but they both know like how this game works and like they really are like toe to toe with each other. It's really good. Um, do you have any outstanding questions? Um, so Della in this movie never has a pen on her. I love that little in joke. Um, I love that Russell Crowe's Cal gives her a necklace of pens. Uh, as a person who writes and as in the journalism industry, do you have any favorite pens? I do. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I also keep a bunch of pens on my desk. As said previously, I like, um, physical medium. So I'm always writing things down. I have sticky notes everywhere. I have like 8,000 reporter notebooks with notes on my desk. Um, but I really like these pens. The Arteza um, A104. And these are the pens I like. Um, they write oh, wow, really nicely. You can buy and bought like a 12 pack or whatever. But they're also the pens I use in my bullet journal. Um, so as you get my list of movies I watch every uh, month, you know oh, okay. how well they write. Um, I'll show you my to-do list. Beautiful. Yeah, they write- Very clean. They write super well, and they don't smudge. Um, so I appreciate both of those aspects. And I have some on my desk at home and some at my desk in my office. Um, that's my pen of choice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a favorite <laughs> <That> pen? Was- <laughs> That was Amanda's pen corner. Um, this is psychotic. I am partial to Sharpie pens. I love that. That's um, so crazy. I, <laughs> not like Sharpie Sharpies, but like Sharpie pen. Yeah. No, I understand. I don't really like the Pilot G2 popular ones because I smear that all over the fucking place. Yeah. That said, I, I am also more Della than I am Cal. Like, I don't really have any pens at my desk. I just nothing. It's just something I don't really have to use a lot of is pens. Um, anyway, last question I have is what do you think happens for Cal and Della after this? Maybe in the immediate future in the intermediate future? You know, what do you think? I think Cal recruits Della to like they sort of do this like dual like print digital situation. Yeah, that's what I think. As someone who's like, okay. I am like the Della of my newsroom. Like I'm in like the newer media. Not everybody understands like quite what I do, <laughs> but they know it's yeah. important like section of the newsroom. There are like people like if I team up with like one of the city reporters or like one of the metro reporters, something like that, like I will do sort of like the audio version and it uh-huh. will have different details, but like we will have reported together and then like the print version or like the one for the website. And I guess also the newspaper um, will ha- will sort of like be the print version. There's like more numbers in it. There's more dates in mm-hmm. it. Like there's different quotes, but like we did all the reporting together. And like I've done that a couple of different times um, on a few episodes that I've done. So I think that that's sort of like the, the vibe they go with together because I think mm. that the editor recognizes they've got good team chemistry and that's hard to find. I think they stay ingrained in their beats, but um, like she's a better reporter for this he kind of has a better understanding of digital for this and if they need to team up they will there's probably a moment in the next three years where Della wants to like move up but the paper doesn't have the capacity for her to and so she moves on this is like what 2007 yeah 2009 
2010 recession. They yeah. Della gets cut okay. for financial reasons, and Cal takes a buyout so that he doesn't have to get cut, but he still gets money off the off of the globe. They start a blog together. Oh God! <laughs> and the way like everybody I know who left like quote unquote journalism, like structured journalism, has like like an, a newsletter or like a whatever. Like they're all writing still, but like independently. And like a lot of them are really good, um, but that is like what they go and do. They go and like form their own version of uh, things that exist now. Um, do you have any remaining comments or questions? Not really. I I think we can. I think my main one is: Would you watch this movie again? I would. It's fun. It's a good. It's a good fun movie. Uh, you mentioned earlier about it being a a DC movie. Um, and a good one. I would definitely agree with that. The scene in Ben's chili bowl is like very yeah. funny. Um, obviously, like the note about Bill Cosby has not aged well, but that was like such a big part of the identity of that place mm-hmm. is they had this like huge mural. Um, and that is exactly what it's like in there. Um, and then the other one that I always think of of like good DC representation is um, another Robin Wright joint. Um, is House of Cards. Mm. Like they do such yeah. an awesome job um in House of Cards of using DC. The Ben's Chili Bowl is an egregious like egregiously like, hey, we're in DC and we filmed in DC and let's give this DC institution its shout out. Absolutely, but also Ben's deserves it. <laughs> I love that he got a chili cheeseburger, chili cheese fries, and a chili dog. I know. <laughs> like I I know those reporters. I I I would have been one of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, was just back in Michigan and we went to a Coney for like a late breakfast, early lunch, depending on what time you had woken up in correspondence to this meal. Um, And I watched someone at my table eat two Coney dogs and chili cheese fries. (laughs) Was it Bob? No, it was not. Uh, Bob did not attend this this meeting. Uh, (laughs) But it was I was like, oh, this is good. (laughs) <laughs> this, this feels right <laughs> oh man what an institution um washington dc what a city i love dc it's great what movie did you like the most out of the two um i think state of play i think his girl friday was a little too dense for me at the moment i felt like i was like trying to keep up rather than i was like watching it but i'm sure as mm-hmm. you've alluded that on rewatch i will feel differently this is such a cop-out i liked both like his Girl Friday, I will probably go to more because I'm just more inclined to go to a classic movie. Um, but I, but I enjoy State of Play, and if I want to hang out with Rachel McAdams and and Russell Crowe, um, I'll definitely do it. Yeah, uh, this is a tough one. Which movie did Louis love more? I don't think he would fundamentally understand either movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I don't think he would be able to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Louis himself was part of a journalism movie. That's true. Interview with the Vampire, <laughs> a journalism movie. <laughs> I think he likes his Girl Friday more. Yeah, probably. I think it's a little just uh, like a little bit more his speed. Because at the end of the day, his Girl Friday is a love story. Yeah, and Louis a romantic. Um, you know that he is incredibly romantic. Um, I, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm changing up the category of this of this question a little bit. But do you have like a top three favorite journalism movies? I'm or like a Rushmore. I was so afraid you were going to ask this question. Um, 
you want me to throw some out there so you have like yeah okay so i like cultivated a sort like i started making a list but there was like so many versions of stuff that i was like this doesn't make sense to like rank the ones that we know like you know yeah um i'm gonna write so spotlight okay spotlight (laughs) i wrote them in my notes app uh (laughs) spotlight nightcrawler almost famous zodiac shattered glass frost nixon all the president's men broadcast news absence of malice stay to play his girl friday um those were the the major ones that i know that we've both or most of them at least we've both seen um i don't count i don't count um how to lose a guy in 10 days as a journalism movie no but i would respect it if someone does i i would understand i would also agree with that um same with uh set it up <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> i sure i agree um no there's a lot of mo- there's a lot of movies like that in the uh 10 things i hate about sure. no in the how to lose a guy in 10 days sort of category of like she's in a newsroom she's a reporter he's a dashing man yeah together you know they fall in and out of love um (laughs) i love all of these movies um i think the only movie the only journalism movie that really doesn't work for me is i saw the post and it was not for me i was bored Mm, the whole time that's fair um all the presidents men i mean that's a fucking classic it's so good it's so good. That movie makes me yes. happy. I've seen it 10,000 times. I really, really love that movie. Um, 100%. Spotlight is truly one of my favorite films. Um, famously, mm-hmm. a movie I saw by myself for the first time. Um, I really adore that movie. It's oddly rewatchable for me. Um, it, it is. It, no, it is. You know what's you know what was funny? Do you remember how insufferable all the Cronkite kids were when it won Best Picture? Like on Twitter? Yes, of course. We're just like, journalism is important. It's and so just, important. Um, Zodiac is um, my favorite movie, hands down. But I don't know if it's the journalism of that movie that gets me in. I think it's the like cop aspect. So mm, for that okay. reason alone, I'm going to knock it out of the top. But it is Amanda Luberto hates <laughs> Zodiac. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> I I think that that's great. Um, I, and I think that broadcast news is actually like one of the better TV news movies of like what it's yeah. like. But I'm also a producer. So like I love the <laughs> producer side of it. Um, yeah. Nightcrawler just made me so anxious, like with eth- that's ethics violations. <laughs> the whole time I was watching it, I was like, <laughs> I mean, state of play is a whole ethics thing, too. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, we're way too close to the source here. Um, I saw Jake Gyllenhaal, and the first thing I thought of was Nightcrawler. <laughs> like when I saw him the other day, yeah. I was like, I yeah, was oh, thinking of the mirror scene. That's Nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, what are your, <laughs> where do these rank for you? Um, I, hella partial to all the president's men. I mean, I just love a Robert Redford movie. The fucking rules, dude. Um, that movie is so goddamn good. It's. I think it's the standard in my head. It's like the golden standard. I think it is. Um, I I do love Spotlight as well. It's a movie I watched for the first time. I think a couple years ago. I like just never got around to it. Um, Network is a movie that I want to rewatch because I think a lot of it went over my head. Um, even though it was good and it was funny and like Faye Dunaway rules, um, but I would like to rewatch it. I think I watched it too early. Um, 
broadcast news, like you said, is fun. But I, all the President's Men is the one. I would like to shout out Shattered Glass because I am pro Hayden Christensen. Um, and that is also one of the first movies they showed us in journalism school. It's also <laughs> good. Like, this is unethical. Yeah, it's a good movie. Hayden Christensen's a good actor. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Um, the French Dispatch was also a journalism movie. Oh, this is very true. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. I, I, think that I that's love very Bill sweet. Murray as a Manic Pixie Dream Editor. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think that that's just like a uh, a summary of... Um, a, a summary of Wes Anderson films. <laughs> it's like Bill, <laughs> Bill Murray will play a manic pixie dream editor. Dream editor. Yeah. Um, girls, dragon, girls, a dragon tattoo. Another good. Uh, that is a <laughs> journalism movie. Um, I I did really like Frost Nixon. I don't know if I've seen it. It's good. I I mean I I haven't seen it since like high school, but I really liked it when I was in high school. Come on, come on, could be a journalism movie. In a way, because he's yes, a, he's an audio reporter. Public radio, yeah. But um, uh, did you ever see Safety Not Guaranteed? <laughs> we're a, not counting that. That's a journalism movie. <laughs> uh, Christ! All right, so you put out this Twitter poll, and I think we can wrap with this one. Yeah. Um, is Almost Famous a journalism movie? I think it is. Uh, that's I think so too. That's where I stand on it. That's where the Twitter poll ended up. But a lot of people were like, no, it is simply a music movie, which I, I understand. That's why I put it out there. It's why I wanted to know more. Um, but I would absolutely say that it is if it wasn't for his want to be um, like a culture reporter, none of the movie would happen. Yeah, I think it's just uh, we value culture reporters. Um, also true. Here, um, blind spotters. <laughs> and you, if it's not a journalism movie, you don't get the mo- the, you don't get the phone calls of Philip Seymour Hoffman, correct? And you don't get the uncool speech, which is the beating heart of the movie. It's the I most think important part. Anyone and everyone's favorite line, I think, is yeah. um, the uncool spiel. So. We are team almost famous as a journalism movie. Correct. Uh, so that would go on my Rushmore as well, but. Um, I think my favorite journalism movie writ large is All the President's Men, specifically because uh, Dustin Hoffman throws a cookie back at Robert Redford said, or they, they, just when those two throw cookies at each other. Um, I mean, I'll probably watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, honestly, same. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> just a banger. It's time to write. Run it. Now you've got the story. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I fucking love editors. Don't fire your editors. No, good ed- um, good editors are so important. Or else it'll be the end of the world. And on that note, Amanda, <laughs> <laughs> what are our next movies? So next to kick off 2023, which feels like a fake year, um, we are doing some apocalypse movies. <laughs> um, Zach, you are going to be watching Children of Men, and I will be watching Melancholia. So what do you know about Children of Men? Um, I know that Clive Owen is in it, even if I can't always remember his name. That's it. Um, I think there's an explosion that happens early in the movie. Yes. It's been a but while anyway. since I've seen it, but I believe that that's true. Um, what do you know about Melancholia? Um, I know that Kirsten Dunst is in it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that it is very sad. Um, yes. And I know that it is very beautiful. Um, and it has a lot of mixed reviews. People love it or they don't get it. That's sort of what I've heard. 
I kind of want you to watch this strictly because of the Kirsten Dunst performance, but yeah, it's a huge part of why I want to see it. If it wasn't for this podcast, I'm not sure if I would rewatch it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, historically, I'll probably love it then. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, oh, right. Man, I, uh, okay. Um, other than those bummers, um, <laughs> or at least at least my bummer. Those uh, are what else is great. on your watch list? <laughs> okay. Um, so we're getting ready. It's Christmas season. I'm so excited. Um, and I am a proud uh, participant in the Lindsay Lohan revival. I think she rules, and I think it's time we have her back. So I'm going to be watching the Netflix Christmas movie, Falling for Christmas, um, which will probably yeah. be not that good, but I'm very excited to see it. Um, a new movie. I tried to limit how many new movies because there's so many coming out, um, but I want to see Women Talking, which will have just come out by the time this releases. There's a lot of really excellent female actors that I really like um, that are in the movie, and it looks real spooky so i'm excited to see that and then one of my very last uh stanley kubrick movies that i have to see is barry linden and it's back on um it's back on hbo max so i will be making sure to watch that but it is like a three and a half hour period satire and it's thick i've seen like the first 10 minutes like a couple times but i have to just like hunker down because i know it's good I, I get it. I get it. I um, feel the same about one of the movies on my watch list, um, which is Kingdom of Heaven, the Ridley Scott like 2005 movie, which I continue to hear is underrated. And I've been meaning to watch since watching The Last Duel as it's almost Thanksgiving uh, at the time of our recording. I also want to watch Planes, Trains and Automobiles, which is a film I haven't seen. It's really good. Um, and it's perhaps the most regularly cited uh, Thanksgiving film. And then lastly, uh, I'm going to watch The Wonder, which is the Florence Pugh movie that um, she is actually proud of this year. Um, oh yeah, which is gonna that drop is on Netflix coming out this year. I think tomorrow. So oh, nice. um, yeah, and then obviously we'll both watch. She said yes. There's a lot of movies that are coming out um, that we'll both so be watching. many movies. Um, yeah. I'm so excited. It's it's good movie time. And there's like yeah, movies from like when I was swamped with work that I never got to see. So you know, I'll finally be seeing Tar and all of those other things. If and when you need a palate cleanser in the next month or so, like watch Anonymous Club. Because you, you love CB, I love CB, yeah. and it's just a good hang. Two rules. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You can always find a new episode of this podcast on the second Tuesday of every month. We are very excited to be going into 2023. We're going to have this episode. We're going to have our best of the year episode. Yeah. And then as we get closer to the Academy Awards, we'll have some episodes on the Oscars as well. Um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at BlindSpottersPod. You can follow us on Twitter at BlindSpotters. You can also, you know, subscribe, share with a friend, you know, tell tell someone you love that you like this podcast, share it, um, subscribe to it, wherever. Um, all those things are super helpful. Zach, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter for the time being at ZachPocalyp. You can also follow me on Letterboxd. Zach Pocalypse, my name there. Shout out to Bo, who is getting me more followers on Letterboxd than me. He just keeps telling people to follow me and follow the pod. So, uh, Bo, shout out to you. You'll soon be granted with a bonus episode of your own. Um, there's yeah. an incentive for you, people. Uh, Amanda, where can people find you? You can follow me on all socials at Amanda Luberto, where you can send me any compliments. Let me know what you got for the holidays. I love a holiday gift. Um, let me know what you got. Did you get any DVDs? 
I sure will. I'm so excited. Um, love that. Love that. Should I make a sub stack just on things I would have tweeted if Twitter goes down? That would be <laughs> so funny. Um, maybe that's the move. Um, also, if you're verified, you can't change your name anymore. Um, so I'm stuck <laughs> at grateful Amanda Luberto turkey emoji um, forever now. Um, <laughs> I, I tweet at Twitter and Elon Musk every single morning when I wake up and I ask them to let me change my name. Um, <laughs> Doja Cat did this. Um, unfortunately, I'm not as famous as Doja Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Yet. But, um, you know, that's a thing that exists now. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally debated. I'm like, should I just start over? <laughs> oh my god! Or that's so funny. Should I write a tweet explaining the situation, and that's my new pin tweet as to why I am like permanently stuck in a holiday Twitter that I don't really care about? <laughs> Jesus it's Christ. terrible. All right, so uh, oh. you can let me know what you're grateful for <laughs> on my social media. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Tell me, is the Lord of the Universe in? <laughs> <laughs>